Welcome to the Adam Rowe and Daniel Sloss podcast. We're sorry it's late. Uh, we lost the audio file for it. It was touch and go for a second. You weren't going to get it for a second. Then we realised there's actual audio on the video camera. So we've had to use that. So this is just me doing a disclaimer and apologising that the audio isn't at the usual standard. But fucking, I'm, I'm sure the jokes will be. I haven't seen it myself yet. I'm excited to watch it with you. Um, but just lower your expectations on the audio. Enjoy. <coughs> <coughs> Keep this in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hello, listeners. I'm not sure if this is a Patreon episode. I'm not sure if this is a regular episode, but I do know that it's a good episode. Uh, unfortunately, Kai's not here for this one because I mean he's been with me for the past five days, and I think it's fair that he goes and see his wife and his uh, son slash dog. Um, uh, so I've got the incredibly funny and talented Adam Rowe on the podcast from Have a Word and from you know just being generally great it's stand-up uh we speak about poo heaps i'm gonna say for, probably for like the first 30 minutes and then uh, uh and then we we, we speak it, it's heaps of talking shop talking about comedy um and i mean i always love i love talking about comedy i love dissecting it i love speaking to people who are as passionate about this job as i am about about the craft and the form so I hope it's as enjoyable for you as it was for us to record. Um, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna be honest. I I had a bit of a rough day today, so I'm I'm definitely a bit more bitchy than I normally am, or or I'm just more aware of how bitchy I was. You might listen to this episode and be like, no, that's that's you, Slons. That's the type of cunt you regularly are. In which case. It's just another fucking podcast. Um, thank you to the Patreons as always for your support and your money and fucking the phenomenal things that you uh, make and give us. Uh, we love you lots and also you regular listeners and watchers, you're okay too. Sloss and Humphreys on the road. Muggins and cream, cream and muggins, straight thugging, living the dream. That, that's our intro. Fucking muggles. Tickling the clit inside your head to make you laugh. <laughs> they said it can't be done. Are we in the same seats? That's hack. Oh, muggles. Accidental rib job in the park. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Or am I just being cynical? Just muggled it up on fucking Mugglepedia. Where have you been since 9-11? Uh, how, I mean, I know how terrible your impressions are in general, but how, how bad's your Geordie one? How weird. Aye, My Geordie's alright, like, you know, what? Aye, here's my kind. Oh, mate, I've got a little dog. <laughs> oh, I love me fucking dog. It's like having a bear and oh, my Wayne. Oh, wait, Wayne's Scottish, isn't it? Yeah. Aye. Uh, um, Adam Rowe, thank you for jumping on the podcast because Kai is uh, off to Scoon Palace. Um, though I guarantee the second he walks on stage, despite me telling him several fucking times, he's going to call it Scone. <laughs> uh, because his wife has made him middle class. What well, basically? Scoon Palace. It's out near Perth. Oh, right, okay. So it's like one of those fucking nightmare fringe gigs where you sign up to it and they're like, great, it's during the fringe. And you're like, and obviously, you're like, oh. During the fringe, you mean in the fringe? And they were like, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 not that at all. I am, um, the first few times I came over, came up to the fringe, I always like, because of the unbearable burden of what it costs on paper, until you come up, and I, I always did all right up here because it was pay what you want at Just a Tonic and you're making a bucket every day and you end up making money, like, in the end. But I would always put so many gigs in, as many as possible, especially ones that paid. 
So I, I was going over to like close Red Roar in Glasgow, oh. and in my head I'm like, that's a great idea. Glasgow's there, the stands a great club. It's I'm one train. And, and then that day comes round. I went and closed Rotunda for Alan. Oh. Friday and Saturday in in the middle of the fringe for like 150 quid a night. Because at the start of the festival I was like, that's 300 quid and I might need that come the end. It's like the third weekend of the fringe, the bucket's been great every day and I'm like, who in my family could have died? <laughs> like, believably, yeah. so that I would be sad enough. Sad enough so that I don't have to do the gig, but also I can be caught out drinking later, yeah. and it makes sense. I think you're really overestimating how much empathy Alan Anderson would have if one of your family members died. It's like, tell you what, it's only you just come and talk about them on stage, make a couple of jokes, <laughs> you know, make a fucking donation. Start previewing next year's show now. I've done a, I've done two extra gigs this festival, um, and both the gigs, were, I enjoyed them when I was there, but it was just like a fucking blunt guillotine hanging over my neck <laughs> the entire day. My show's on at 5.45, like, I get to, I'm a dad. You do, and you make pussy work in progress. Yes, yes, and I'll now absolutely take the abuse that I deserve, but it's my festival and I've earned the right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get to be home, and I'm still, I'm still enjoying it. Like, it's definitely a more dad fringe, but after doing like 12 years of, of Rockstar Fringe of waking up, I mean you know, when you fucking wake up, it's not even wake up when you go outside for a fucking cigarette or a joint and the birds start tweeting and you see kids walking to school and you're like oh I fucked this <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely fucked this I had a really important meeting last week up here so this is my second weekend at the Fringe for this year I was just coming up this weekend but then I was bored last week, I had nothing on, and I said to meet nothing, I come up. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to have a few tonight, yeah. because I've got that meeting at 10am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to be presentable for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 6 o'clock in the morning, with a McDonald's, walking back to the Jury's Inn. <laughs> <laughs> on market, or near Market Street in town. Just, the, just, going, just going, going into pitch a project to be like, I look, I know you've got <laughs> questions about how responsible I am as a person, <laughs> and I will answer them. If you excuse me while I go and vomit. <laughs> <laughs> but time just doesn't exist up here. No. Nah. Do you know what I mean? Because in every other part of your life, really, as a drinker, and I'm a late night drinker, I, I can go and go and go, and I have a problem where, if I have five drinks, say, I can call it a five. But if I ever have a sixth, I'm going to have a 24th as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, no, there's such a thing as stopping at five, but there's no such thing as stopping between six and twenty-five. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's just once you go beyond, you're like, I like I'm no longer I, in control. When I'm that drunk, I can't understand. Like someone will be like, Adam, we need to go home. And I my brain can't figure out what they're talking about because I'm like, <laughs> there's a builder over there willing to give us more, and you don't want to go into it, and I don't understand <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you. Like then look, it's open, it's there, yeah, the man. Yeah. He's pouring a beer now for someone else. Like, that could have been art. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, every other part of, like, as a drinker, like, late night drinking till five in the morning often involves loud music that you can't talk to people at, and, like, clubs and just... Um, and Getting to that point where, when you, especially in a club, because your brain just goes, if you're a single person, you're like, right, it's 4 a.m., now's the time to start looking for the maiden of the evening yeah. <laughs> as opposed to during the, the fringe when you're like 
who's got the bag around here? <laughs> <laughs> but like, in like the, the, the industry bars up here, they're open till five. Yeah. And although, you know, a, a lot of the time they're full of people you, you don't want to have a conversation with. Yeah. If you've got your own little group in the corner and you sort of just, you, you can have a good time until five in the morning having conversations. And that's when time disappears. Mm. When you sat around with your mates talking shit and then you go, fuck, it's five or six o'clock in the morning. Um, have you ever done the, uh, I, I think it's like the, you know, if you, the fringe comes with like, your own personal little Boy Scout badges or Cubs for Achievements. You know, I stayed up till 5am. I was too hungover for my show and I threw up during a set or I... I think I arrived to Edinburgh with those badges, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got the... All the artist bars closed. I refuse to admit the evening was over, so we got a bottle of booze from somewhere and went up Arthur's seat. No, I've never bothered with Arthur's seat and I think anyone who does is mentally ill. Hello! <laughs> like, like Jordan the Fringe comics are like, oh yeah, I'm taking these because we're going up art and see through. And I was like, you don't need to do it. It's a, it's a hill. And like, oh, don't do it sober. Like, we're not, we're not 45 and trying to rekindle a dying fucking marriage. Like, whenever I see people hill walking together, I'm sure you're happy. Fresh air, the beautiful fucking countryside. But I'm always just like, what a tepid way to try and reignite this. But unless you're fucking at the top of the hill. Yeah. Like if that's if it's yeah, yeah. if you if it's dogging, fucking carry on class. Yeah. But if when you and your partner get to the top of the hill and you, you just right. take a selfie and go, oh that was nice. <laughs> get out your fucking wee thermos filled with coffee, no yeah. sugar, not this time of day. I mean, yeah. If you've if you've been in a nightclub and you've found the lady, the maiden of the evening, as you put it, and yeah. you're like, you know what, it's four in the morning, but we could go and fucking half the seas. <laughs> That, I like the idea of. That's good. That is fun. I've Um, done the Arthur's Seat one where, I think it's about fucking seven years ago now. This was even before, like, I was doing gear. Like, me and my friend just got so fucking shit-faced, loft closed. I asked if we could, like, get a bottle of wine. And they were like, ah, shit, fuck off, here you go. And we climbed up Arthur's Seat. And we got to the top, and we're looking around. It took about a fucking hour to get up, which isn't how long it takes. Like, if you go up sober, it's like 45 minutes. We get up after a fucking hour, I put a spliff in my mouth and we look at the view and we turn around and there's a taller hill behind us with more people on it. <laughs> and we're like, oh no. How is there a second head? <laughs> well, why is that one? Have we just gone up the wrong fucking Did bit? Did you go up the wrong hill? There's two, there's two bits to Arthur's seat and there's one bit. And, and that's way longer, like, it's the bit the note, because we're like, fucking hell, it's quiet enough. There's secret. Clearly, this is just a day when none of the joggers are out, none of the doggers are out. Um, and no, just the, just the wrong bit. And it took us five minutes to get down, because just with that drunken confidence, we were like, if you just run down a hill, like, survival instincts will make your legs move faster than they ever. <laughs> or you turn into that fucking wheel of cheese in, <laughs> in wherever it is. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I <laughs> I've been struggling for the past week up here with the, I mean, it's almost hack to even talk about it, never mind trying to do any humour about it. Edinburgh is a hill, all of it. I fucked me night. I was in Dubai a couple of weeks ago, absolutely hammered one night, and I booked, <laughs> very fringe style, I booked a 7am quad bike safari in the desert. Great. So I was out till five. By safari? Excuse my ignorance here. 
an animal safari? What are we seeing in the desert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, they they set a lion on you, and you've just got to try and escape. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, man! I know you're joking, but fuck me! What? That would be so good. They call it a safari. It's essentially you're just driving around the desert. Yeah. And so I booked. I think it was like a thousand dirhams, uh, which is uh, it's five times a pound, so it's like 200 quid, or like 1,400 dirhams for an English-speaking guide. Yeah. Now, I went with is that. It, is it less for a, uh, what the language that they speak in Dubai? Uh, I don't actually know. Um, yeah, so it is it is less, but I'm telling you right now, they just, they took an extra 400 dirhams off me and sent the guy they were always going to send anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same guy, but if you don't pay the money, he just doesn't speak English. <laughs> Arabic, Arabic. Right. He's just saying, talking in Arabic, and you're like, I don't know what you're saying. He's like, he, he, he turned up, and honestly, so what had happened was, so I was in Dubai on my own for a week, right? I was doing one show, and initially, when they first booked me, they went, right, your, your show's going to be Thursday night. We'll fly you out Wednesday. We'll fly you home Friday. And I went, nah, that sounds like a lot of travelling in a short space, and I'll get no sort of break. I was like, could you fly me out Monday? Mm-hmm. Fly me home Saturday and just pay for the hotel for a week rather than mm-hmm. three nights. And they went, yeah. I wish I'd done what they wanted because being in Dubai in August on your own is insane. There's nothing to do. It's too hot. All my friends who live there were like, we're not in Dubai, we're in England for the summer, you know, because it's 47 degrees and 90% humidity. Yeah. Just like walking through soup for a week. <laughs> um, awful. So at one night, this and I'm on my own, literally on my own. So mm. the people who were opening for me were like local comics. Yeah. So I hadn't met any of them until the night. So I'm just uh, I'm sort of in the hotel, and this guy messaged me. He's like a fan, and he goes, oh, "I live in Dubai, trying to pint." And my initial thought, and he might even listen to this, was, I, 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 "A lot of our fans, because he's a fan of have a word, are dead sound. Ninety percent are sound, and ten percent are fucking mental. Mm-hmm. Right? They're just insane." And that's not enough of a ratio for me to gamble on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Oh, sorry, mate." I was like, "I'm, I'm actually going to Top Golf." Which is like a driving range. Oh, you don't yeah. have to. I'm in my I'm in my thirties and I'm a dad. I'm very aware of what top golf is. I was like, I'm just going there. And he went, Oh, I'm a member. I'll meet you there. So I was like, Right, okay. So he comes and he's just dead sound. And he was like, Right, top golf shuts at eleven. He's like, Trying to carry on. And I was like, I've had six. We're gonna have twenty four. <laughs> so we go to an Irish bar called McGettigan's, and I'm out with him till five o'clock in the morning. And sort of, I get back and I'm like, I've got, I'm sure I've got something on tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, the show's tomorrow. Oh no, the show's tomorrow. And you've booked a quad bike safari in two hours time right so in dubai i'm sure you know but for any listeners who don't they let you have a drink now there's a lot of bars especially in hotels but it's illegal to be drunk in public still you're not allowed to be drunk in public so like is there have they done one of those sneaky things where like but you know you can't leave the bar walk to another bar because that's being drunk in public but there's like an underground tunnel where they're like they, that's that's the way the voles do it, and we don't consider them public social creatures. So, <laughs> on a technicality, it's so, there's so many bars in every hotel. Like every hotel will have five different bars that are all packed mm-hmm. on their weekends. And um, so yeah, it they're, they're sort of like it, it's illegal to be drunk in public, but they also don't really unless they unless you get a police officer who wants to fuck with yeah, they mm-hmm. will just sort of be like oh, British twat, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, but still. When you've got an anxious mind, as I have, and you're in a country where it's illegal to be drunk in public, and you've drank till five o'clock in the morning, you sort of have a feeling that it might be a bad idea to be driving a quad bike in the desert. Um, <laughs> two hours later, yeah. this fella turns up. He's in like a white van that looks like 
if you if you were if you were gonna be casting a van for a film of like <laughs> the kidnap van, yeah, yeah, he turned yeah. up in that. He's like, "Hello, mate." He's like, "Adam, Adam, come on, mate." And I was like, "Right, okay, get in the thing." He's like, "So in the front, yeah, Good. get in the thing." And he, he goes, so we go out, uh, drive you around in this, and then we give you a quad, and you, uh, as long as you like, and we bring you back. Okay, mate? Yeah. I was like, right, okay. So we get there, I'm so drunk and hungover, which is a state that is hard to live with mm -hmm. as a person. They put me straight into the, the shop, the guy comes over to me, he's got um, like the, the, the wrap for your head, and the, the black rope that keeps it on your head. Oh yeah, Right. the cord. And yeah. he, he, he puts the cord on, and he goes, no. And I've seen it have medium on it. So he gets a large, and he's like, no. He gets an XL, no. Double XL, and then he goes, okay, bigger than it looks. <laughs> right? He's like, this one normally for camel, but... <laughs> and then he goes like, back in the van, mate. And he's driving at what felt like 250 miles an hour in a van, up and down sand dunes. And then he goes to me, take your belt off, much more fun. <laughs> Jesus. Right? So I was like, right. And I'm so drunk and sort of conscious that I'm just like, I'll do anything he tells me. So I'm fucking all over the place. He goes, right, get out of the van, mate. Right? He goes, photo, photo. Takes my phone off me and goes, sit, stand, face this way. And he's I've got like a hundred photos. Then he's talking a two minute period. And then he goes, want to sandboard, mate? And I went, what? And he goes, want to sandboard, mate? You sandboard down the hill, mate? And I went, yeah. Yeah, but so you could have you could have said fucking him. <laughs> you're, you're a man who drove me out to the middle of the desert. I'm actually grateful it's just sandboarding you've offered me. Because if I was planning on getting back, uh... he he puts me on a sandboard. He goes, don't lock feet in. Don't no. So there's it, there's things for your feet like a like a snowboard. snowboard. But um, he's like, don't lock. No, bad. You're hurt bad. And I went, right, okay. And he goes, off you go. And I went down. And about three seconds into going down, yeah. I just flew off it. Snow is affectionately called powder by snowboarders. You're, you're, you're just going down sandpaper. Like, that seems like the st stupidest fucking thing. And I come off it. I've got an e-video of it as well, yeah. so I've got the memory. Uh, I come off it and really, really hurt me knee. But was so drunk that I didn't really notice how bad it was. So I'm like, oh, I, I come off and I can't really move for a minute. And he, on the video, you can just hear him going, you okay, mate? You okay? <laughs> he hasn't stopped filming. Why would he? Um, not, until, not, not until your body stops moving. <laughs> and then he just like buries it beside you. Like, okay. And that's what all the actual dunes are out there. It's just the pile of people he's done this to before. Yeah. So I, I thought it was fine. I was, I was not going to get looked into it. But walking up and down the hills of Edinburgh has, uh, has aggravated it. And I think I might have done something quite serious to it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Are you, are, you gonna, are, you, are you going to do the man thing of ignore it for several more weeks uh, slash months? And then get it checked? Or you I'm be... going to just... This week, I'm just going to go and get it scanned. Good. Um, I, I need... Because I'm meant to be going skiing in December. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think that's going to be possible anymore. But I need to know it's not going to be possible so I can not book it. Nice. Um, yeah. It, there's just no... Dubai has no health and safety laws whatsoever. Yep. Like, he could tell I was hammered. Like, he knew. <laughs> yeah. And he just gave me a quad bike. Yeah. And went... Bye. What, um, There's I, no like, oh, follow this route. He, in the desert, he yeah. gave me a quad bike and went, come back whenever you like. <laughs> yeah, but like, are you not terrified of just going in one direction for a fucking bit and then turning around? And not that he's driven the white van away, but you've gone beyond the horizon or the fucking, you know, the mirage thing that you do. That is, 
the epitome of my fucking fear. Because I, I, I know people have survived in deserts for, you know, very long periods of time. If you're acquainted with uh, the, the place and how to find water and shelter and shade and shit. But it's not people from fucking Fife and Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can barely fucking survive in London. Yeah, I mean... There is literally nothingness for miles. So I would maybe I'd have had that same anxiety if I wasn't hammered. Okay. But I was literally just like, I've got a quad bike in the desert. How fast can I drive this? Like there's other people on quads as well. Yeah. We've been giving them, and I was just racing them all, but not telling them that we were we were racing. <laughs> Which is the easiest way to win a race. Yeah, but I felt like they knew and yeah. they lost. <laughs> Because the, like this like family is like this is great isn't it? And yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck! I literally couldn't be pulling the thing back <laughs> any further. At one point, I caught so much air because I thought it was just like a little bump, yeah. and there was just nothing after it, and it felt like I was in the air for maybe a minute, which yeah. is a fucking long time yeah. to not have your wheels on the sand. <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a good experience, but see, I've never, I've never done Dubai just because, man, I fucking, I hate the heat. Like, I, it's it's, oh, it's just not for me. Like, I'm not fun in the sun. Like, people are like, why don't you just lie down and relax? I'm like, there's nothing relaxing to me about feeling all the water I need inside of my body leave my body <laughs> and congregate at my asshole. <laughs> and just, just sort of sit there and make a stir. I'm like, this is going to be a fucking nightmare, this. Like, just the, the sweaty shits you do when like, you know, you wipe the toilet paper and it, it, was, it was smooth toilet paper before you wiped and when it comes out it's just coarse Yeah. and you just got, <laughs> and then later on in the evening you've got those wee fucking, and my dad always calls them crack maggot, <laughs> just like, you know, the mold up there. Over to your asshole. <laughs> yeah, like cleaning up your asshole in the shower after a day of shitting and I have days of shitting. I haven't passed a solid for decades. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like Cartman. Yeah, like, I just, like, if anyone had a shit like I have, they would normally call a doctor about it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I do them four times a day. <laughs> and if I'm hungover, it's like six or seven. Yeah, it's when the doctor's like, and how's your bowel movements? You're like, the same as always, four times a day, <laughs> and every second's a nightmare. So nothing new, nothing new, standard hell. Yeah. Carl, <laughs> Carl, my best mate, describes it as, he says, Adam shits like a cat. <laughs> he's like if Adam needs to shit first of all it's not a surprise yeah. and second of all it's happening like, <laughs> like there's no like Adam needs a poo it's just Ad Adam's pooing <laughs> yeah there's a brief second where he'll look around and be like where's surfaced <coughs> well I guess it's here yeah um, it, it, but those if I have a, like a, a hangover if I've been on Guinness yeah, yeah. and I've had Guinness shits all day like for like six of them, and then I get a shower in the evening. The amount of toilet roll up my ass still. <laughs> the little, little bum nuggets of toilet roll that just, just fall out into the shower. Kai is much worse. Kai genuinely, because of his horrendously leaky arsehole, through just years of alcohol, drug abuse, uh, not taking it seriously, and uh, I'm just loving a digit up the arse. Like he will regularly just be walking. And I'm like, you're walking a bit funny. He's like, yeah, I've got an arse tampon in today. <laughs> and you're like, what's an arse tampon? He's just like, you just have to like roll up a bit of toilet paper and you just stem it in there. Like a, just sort of patch over because it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a leaky week. <laughs> yeah, I so I, the 
the tour I've just finished, the closing routine of it was about me going to the doctor about my arsehole. Um, and one of the things, and I imagine this is something Kai suffers with as well, was, and this is a true conversation, and I, if I'm hungover, which I am now, mm -hmm. I, I have sort of very little, if someone asks me a question, I answer it. You've got, you lose the ability to not, it's not be dishonest, but there just isn't the forethought to be like, this could be embarrassing, I shouldn't say this, this is too much information. Not it's just truth comes out. And I was, so the, the truth of the story, which obviously I've sort of um, embellished it a bit for the routine, I was sat in our podcast studio and Carl was editing that week's episode and I was on the phone to the doctor um, on loudspeaker because I was just hungover and I was like, I can't even hold a phone here. For it. I was like, Carl, I'm putting it on loudspeaker. So he could hear everything. And he burst out laughing when I answered the doctor's question because I'm telling him how bad it was. I was like, I really need to finally get this sorted. And the doctor goes, is there ever any blood in your poo? And I said, without thinking and without blinking, I said, no, but sometimes when I'm hungover, I'll have a lot of poos and then I overwipe and cut my asshole with the paper. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it really candidly. And Carl, I just heard him press the space bar and go, what the fuck did you just say <laughs> to an actual doctor? So then I'm crying laughing um. and the doctor's also laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've never had blood in my poo, but recently there's been heaps of poo in my blood. So is, that, is that something I should look into? Yeah. Um, Have you, I mean, now that uh, uh, everything in your career's going better, so I, hope, I don't imagine you might be saying you're making money now, you know, to go from, yeah. especially when you started, when you were, I mean, I read your post the other day when you'd fucking have to hang outside Ladbrokes to use their Wi Fi to book gigs yeah. and stuff. Now that you've got a bit of bank, are you tempted in the Japanese toilets? Yeah. So uh, what I've done, so this year, <clears throat> I had a breakup in January mm -hmm. and the house I was living in, I'd lived there with her and also my ex before her. So the house was haunted and I was like, I need to... <laughs> <laughs> Just by the ghosts of your previous failed relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and with both of those women, we had dogs. Yeah. The the first girl I was with, who I haven't got a bad way to say about, she's great. Uh, just never would have worked out. We got a dog together. I broke up with her, and I was not going to be the guy who's like, I'm breaking up with you, and I'm going to fight you for the dog. Yeah. So I was like, you take the dog. When I met my most recent ex, she had a dog, but she'd not had it for long, and it sort of it was always hers, but you know there was never going to be a conversation when we broke up, mm -hmm. even though like whatever. Even though you you grow to love the dog and. Totally. And that house, to have two relationships in, one, the most recent one ended very, very badly, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's awful enough, but a house that's normally got dogs in is so unbelievably quiet once you take women and dogs out of it. <laughs> yes. So I was like, I can't be here. So what I should have done is looked at buying a house in January. Uh -huh. But in the sort of panic and meltdown, I just got a really, really expensive apartment right on the docks of Liverpool. So I can't get a Japanese toilet at the minute because I'm in rented accommodation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, can, I can sort of do what I want to the flat as long as I put it back in, uh -huh. in the end. And I imagine if I put one of those in, they wouldn't moan about it. Complain, oh, yeah. um, but I'm not going to do that on an apartment that I'll probably be moving out of early yeah. next year. Um, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to get they're unbelievable. Like, I mean, I've spoken about it several times in the podcast and, you know, it just does feel like I'm a fucking salesman. But we've had, I've had, I've had horrific diarrhea for the last week. Like, 
just I'm, I'm drinking and the, I mean it's a, the fucking the fringe is like sending your kid to nursery. They just everyone comes back with different diseases. Every day. <laughs> like it's just a way of building up everyone's immune system. Yeah. And um, the good thing about it, and I'm going to get fucking graphic here, is you know if if it's if you've had a curry the night before, there's a wee thing that just blows on your arsehole. It just blows cool air, and it's like it's okay. It's just like it's a wee arsehole whisperer, and it just. And I, th I, and I think because like I think maybe you know how if you see somebody else yawn you yawn I think your arsehole fear, feels like the hole releasing air and it's like oh I can do that <laughs> <laughs> and then but uh, I'm sitting there and when you you know it's it's the fucking runs man it comes out terribly and obviously that's when you want just heaps of water to spray your arsehole but the same fucking thing happens if you spray water on your arsehole your arsehole gets very very defensive <laughs> it gets like it's real and it's like it's like you know at the end of that fucking harry potter movie where just the two wands like voldemort and harry <laughs> in the middle and it's going back and forth like one side's diarrhea one side's clean water and sometimes the water wins and it goes up your arsehole but because it goes in that's when your arsehole goes they've breached the gates they've breached the fucking gates we gotta send everything out and just <laughs> it's, it's it's the best and uh my fiance will always uh, i just give her a heads up because I'm like, I'm going to go to the toilet, I'm going to go for a shit. She's like, I'll leave the room. Not because it stinks, but just because, you know, you make some of the weirdest noises <laughs> that I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm like, I promise you, I don't love the toilet more than you. <laughs> there's, there's no way that do, that that's the case. Oh, you're making, like... Good noises on the toilet, like, ah, oh, this is great. Yeah, but peppered in with, like, the, the, the beat drop of it is an exploding shitey arsehole yeah, that's getting, my, like, a mini enema every time. My ex-girlfriend used to play music whenever I went to the toilet. Enema or the prostate. That's, that's a, I, don't know, I don't know what the setup is, but there's a punchline in it if you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> Build your own jokes. Yeah, fix it, yeah. Um, yeah, so our bedroom was, like adjacent to the toilet yeah. and if I went for a shit and we were in bed if we were just sitting in bed watching telly or, yeah. or whatever when I went she would put music on quite loud because my arsehole makes ba bad noises yeah. um, yeah. very very bad noises um, in, so Cullen who lives in our uh, basement um, <laughs> uh, just say house <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't make him sound like a fucking troll. <laughs> but he looks like one. It fits, it fits the entire narrative. Throwing fucking ham down the stairs. Colin Dennison! <laughs> just, just lowering like potato on a string like they do in the first Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> yes, for the little Irish boy. <laughs> um, when we first moved in, there's one feature in his room that we can't we for the longest time we could not understand now the reason we put him in that room is because we're all the way upstairs we're like we want him to have his own privacy we don't want him to, you know to feel like he's uh, intruding and just give him his own space and enjoy the, the space such as his but the so the room he's got has a glass door a fully transparent glass door to his ensuite mm -hmm. so uh -huh, your face is great and we couldn't work it out for the longest time because we're like well the previous owners fucking perverts 
Like, the, just like, there's a bed there. Like, imagine you bring a girl or a boy or whatever the fuck you're into back to your house. You shag, it's great fucking fun. And they just go, I'm just going to do a bit of clean-up. And you're like, yeah, 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 the bathroom's just... I mean, you can see, you can see the toilet. <laughs> just, and then they're just like, are you you into this? Obviously I'm into this. I have a fucking see-through door. <laughs> this is, I, I, the only reason this is here is because I couldn't work out to put a glass panel above me just so you could shit directly <laughs> onto that. And for the longest time... Because we did think that the previous owners were a bit kinky because, I mean, there's no way they listened to this. When we moved into our room, in the bedroom... In the cupboards were two horse whips, like riding whips, in the bedroom. And you know, when we checked out the house before we moved in, there was no other horse riding gear. You know, there was no photos of them on horse horses. <laughs> and like, I'm like, this is obviously this. Mu this has to be a fucking sex yeah. thing. It's got to be. Yeah. But like, what kind of? Do you think it was a power move? Directly. To leave them? Yeah, like, you know... To you just, think that's them just, like, waving at you? Yeah. As they leave, they're just like, by the way, uh, yeah. we fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you think you have kinky sex? <laughs> <laughs> we used to do this in the fucking bathroom I've downstairs. I've never even met a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to animals. <laughs> <laughs> so we did finally work out why the bathroom has a transparent door, and it's because the guy who owned it was just fucking mad into um, green energy and and you know the the environment and stuff. So we've got like solar panels on the roof and no, everything. No, 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 no. That how is that? Where's the draw the line between those two dots, please? So it's the only room in the house that does not have. Uh, direct sunlight going into it. Yeah. Every other room in the house has a window, a skylight, or whatever it is. But because of the setup of Colin's uh, room, it's like the bedroom is here, outside is all there, and this is just a toilet that's fully inside the house. It's the bottom floor, so a skylight would just be into the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, which again would be another fucking weird thing for them to do. So his way was like, oh, and, and if I want natural light in this room, it has to come through the window in the bedroom to get there. And you're like, just, just do a door and get a, like, nobody needs it. That You're not sitting there after getting shagged by Ryan Cullen, just <laughs> having the cum driven out of the <laughs> Having his beady little seagull eyes look at you from the bed. Yeah, and it's gonna make Ryan anxious, isn't it? Because while she's doing that, he's got to look somewhere. Yeah. And it can't be where he obviously now wants to, to look. look. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to look at anything. The yeah. ceiling can see you cooking. <laughs> <laughs> like where does he point his yeah. face at that yeah. point? And um, yeah, I I've got an ensuite. I don't shit in the ensuite. I only shit in the the main bathroom. <laughs> that is. The statement of a man with a rotten arse. <laughs> like the fact you're like, I would never do that to the place where I sleep near. Yeah, yeah, I just, <laughs> it's just a pot, like I'll piss in it, but I'm just not shitting in the ensuite. Oh. I just, it's so close to where my head got, like, and, like, if I've had uh, a girl over, mm -hmm. and, like, then I will, because I've said to her, you could, mm -hmm. you could use the, the proper bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was. I've been seeing someone for a little bit, and she was. She she went into the shower, and I was just. Do you know when you start seeing someone, and you just you have to do this sort of, like weird play of there's nothing awful about me, mm -hmm. like you can't fart, like 
there's a coffee machine on the ground floor of my building that's just free to use for the residents. And I was like, would you like a coffee? She's like, I'd love a coffee. She's like, but don't go downstairs, just, I'll just have some instant stuff. And I was like, no, there's a coffee machine downstairs. I'm going to go and get us a coffee from there. And I, that's the polite way of being like, and you're like, and I'll be seven minutes. <laughs> I just wanted to fart in the lift. <laughs> oh, I thought you were giving her the time to be like, now's the time for you to. No, 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 no. She got in the shower because uh, she, she'd stayed over and, she, and I was just, I'd been desperate for a shave mm-hmm. and that is the first and only time I've shit me on sweet because she was in the main bathroom right. and I was like you, you, yeah you sort yourself out and I was like they, you need to you, you need to be a, a while away from where I am <laughs> yeah and yeah. have water dripping onto your head so that you can't hear the monstrosity <laughs> yeah, yeah. of and she she listens to the podcast that we do so she know, she knows that there's a problem there but you see you don't want it to be real you don't want to you don't want to give it a voice. She doesn't want to actually hear what's going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's, it's a different, it's a different to actually experience it in um, real life. I mean, fucking Cara still, you know, I, I've never seen her shit. I mean, not that it's something I'm on the fucking hunt for. <laughs> it's, it's not like... Right, the, baby, we're engaged. Who in front of me? Yeah, hey, look, I've, we 69. I've seen your arsehole. <laughs> like, I've seen it wake, I've seen it blink. It speaks to me in most clothes. Like, I'm acquainted with that area. But I understand, like, it's a extra level. I just I find it so funny that there's still this um, bit that certain women are like, oh, you know, no, I just don't like. And I understand it because, you know, poos are gross and it's a you know mostly a private thing but i'm just like we share everything with each other and like i'll share with the fucking door open with her like i'm not do that no i think it's a breach of the geneva convention (laughs) (laughs) no man i'm I'm like i'm like a dog man i need somebody to watch me so that like because i'm at my most vulnerable So I'm like, I need you to be there just in case an attacker comes in. Because I'm already having a battle on this end. I'm fighting the fucking water fountain here. If somebody comes in with a knife, I need you to... See, if I was shitting with the door open and an attacker come in, they would leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like... you know what, mate? You know what, mate? Keep I, your stuff. I'm just going to take the stuff in the kitchen. That's what I'm can, you, can you pass me a kitchen towel? It doesn't quite have the textile strength that I need for the nightmare that's just been committed. I, look, I, I know what you're saying about sort of once you're in a relationship, you, you share everything and it, it should be okay. However, uh, I, I won't tell you which one, but one of my ex-girlfriends was very early on, just, we were lying in bed together, I, I, we'd been on maybe three dates. And she just, just farted big. And I went, I looked at her. Were you, in, was, were you impressed? Had it been a fart from a bloke, would it have been impressive? Or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I'd have been proud of it, 100%. Great, that, yeah, but, Well done, God bless her. I, well, so, <laughs> I was just so confused but also couldn't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. Like when a chimpanzee sees a magic trick. <laughs> yeah, and then hysterically laughing. And she just said that stall up really early. She was like, I, I don't, like, this is a normal thing that everyone does and I'm, we're just going to, you can fart in front of me, I'm going to, no. honestly. I think that's fourth wave feminism, is farting before your partner does as a woman is just, you know. It was so brazen, but then, honestly, that woman had 
the worst smelling gas. Uh-huh. And from literally three dates in, I had to just be okay with it. Yeah. And it was awful. Because the, because the hypocrisy of you being like, this isn't going to work out. Yeah, yeah. Because your, your butthole makes smelly. Like, do you know when you just, you know when you're with your partner and you've got, you're just in a mood one day. Mm-hmm. And like, there's so, like, with me, I won't pick a fight with stuff that I think is worth fighting about unless it's really, really great. I just can't be asked with the thing. And it was so bad. And so, and I wouldn't just let go in front of her because mine smelled horrific. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And she just farted in bed and I was just in a bad mood. And I was like, you're going to have to start going on the landing. <laughs> <laughs> I said it because I was in a mood and it had just broken me because it was awful. I was in a bad mood already and then there's just the worst smelling thing known to man thrust into my face. And I went, you can't have to start going on the landing train. What do you mean? I went, every time you need to fart, you should go out that door and do it out there and count five Mississippi and then you come back into the bedroom because I can't live with this anymore. And she was like, you're in a bad mood? And I was like, yeah. Do you have to go on the landing to fart? No. <laughs> Everyone, you know, I'm allowed to get high on my own supply. <laughs> you know, I've been doing coke for years, so I've got high tolerance. I don't know what fucking fentanyl cut meth you know, you've got in there, but it is brutal. Yeah. Uh, have you seen any great shows at the Fringe this festival? Uh, every show I've seen, bar one, which I'll tell you after. Yes, uh, fucking please. Uh, I left one show like half an hour in. Really? I was right at the back. So it felt okay. like you could see a comic leaving. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, if, if I knew the comic or I knew they knew me, and I was sat there and they'd see it, I would never leave, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be an arsehole. Yes, of course. But, but, and because, as a, I mean, I don't know if you're the same, but, like, as a comedian, when I see people leave, even though I know 99.9% of the time, it's somebody going to the toilet, yeah. or it's somebody going to get a drink, or they, the found reason they're just going outside for a fucking bit, Whenever they leave, I just go, what joke did I just tell? And what bet, you know, you're just doing a joke about dogs, and you go, oh, fuck, that person has a dog that died, and that's why they've left. Yeah. And then you think about that for five minutes, and then you come, they come back in, and you're like, oh, phew, the dog's still alive. <laughs> and, like, and the like audience they were goes, checking, is the dog alive? <laughs> okay, I can enjoy yeah, yeah, the show. Yeah. No, the show's great. The show's great. I, just, I fucking love that dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, your instinct is always um, that... So, that you've done something like it. and it's you know I don't mind if people are offended by stuff I fucking say I always think if you just get up and leave fucking that's the way to do it absolutely I'm a hundred percent on board with you with this yeah so I've had conversations with other comics about this who do sort of provocative stuff and I'm like fucking people leaving I'm like isn't that what you want though yeah like if someone is doesn't like what you do them getting up and going I'm gonna just leave the building it's the right thing the to do. They're not moaning. They're not heckling. They're not saying you shouldn't be able to say it. They're literally going, this isn't for me. Bye. Yep. If everyone just did that, and that's the perfect system. Yeah. Well, man, that's why I feel like, you know, fucking when people get, can- when comedians get cancelled online, right? And they go, all these people are fucking, you know, they took this, uh, this joke that I did and all these people online fucking hate me and they're never going to come and see me. And you go, Good. You don't want those people in your fucking crowd. Like, the, the, the act of you being cancelled there is a bunch of people who were never going to come and see you in the first place. Now, and who, if they did come to your gig, you'd fucking hate it because they wouldn't enjoy it. They'd be in pockets of the room making sounds and then they'd eventually leave and give you the fucking mental thing that we have of, of what have I done. It's the best. And now also, people who have never heard of your comedy 
now know you say controversial shit. Yeah, and you might have actually found a new thing. I, I got really pissed off recently. So there's, uh, and I don't know whether you'll leave, I mean, you will leave this in, I suppose. There's, there's two lads who do a podcast called Trigonometry, and they went, oh. and they, yeah, and they oh. were Rogan's thing, and they were going, oh, in the UK. Grifters, they're grifters. You, yeah, they're like, you can't, in the UK, or oh, everything we've seen at Rogan's comedy club last night, you'd be banned from comedy clubs in the UK. You can't, like, you can't get away with stuff, and it's particularly offensive that to me, mm-hmm. who wants to wind the audience up, and only really started getting any career traction once I started doing that type of stuff. I was an also ran doing, hey, you hit with this girl sit on the bus for seven years, and then I was like, this is shit, I want to actually say something and be a bit of a wind up. Oh, yeah. That's when I started getting booked properly. Like that, So, such utter nonsense. And they were also moments, so there's a comedy club in London, or a comedy night, and you have to, in advance of doing the show, you have to submit essentially a synopsis of your set yes. so that they can go to their audience, right, this guy talks about this, 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 and this, and if anything of that would be upsetting for you, you might want to leave when this comic is on. And then moaning about that gig, going, it's it's insane that, that you, like any comic should have to do that. And I'm like, you both do Comedy Unleashed, which is the same gig, yeah. just for the opposite side yeah. of the coin people. And these aren't all the fucking gigs. It's one gig where they go, hey, there are some people out there who are introverted, and you know what? They are easily upset because of the trauma that's happened in their life. So what we're trying to do is... You know, everyone fucking get. I mean, the amount of fucking right wing people that get unironically triggered by the word safe space. <laughs> like the fucking rage. I'm like, there's a safe space! You're like, man, there's a vein popping out in your head. And that keeps them ups- out of the normal comedy yes, clubs. Yes, where they'll get upset. This is a. It's one fucking club where they go, you know what? We're trying. It's, it's, it's the equivalent of fucking yelling at a cinema that puts on the audio description movies. Yeah. And you're like, but. But I've got eyes. Didn't see the other fucking shows, you stupid guy. <laughs> Avoid the one that's clearly not for you. Yeah. We took care of And I'd much rather do that gig than Comedy Unleashed. 100%. Because there's a, a, a skill to dance in that line and not upsetting that audience while still doing the comedy you want to do rather than just going to a room where they want you to say Jew with a bit of stank on yes. it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's just, that's the, when they say you can't say anything anymore, you go, you can, you can say anything, but you can't say the two words I know you want to say. <laughs> that's what you mean. There's two words. It's a P and an N. And that's what you mean that you can't say anything anymore, isn't it? <laughs> so fucking dull, man. Honestly, like the, I mean, comedy on least I could talk about them forever, but if I did, I would give them a career. <laughs> like there's I, comics who play it that I think are good comics. Jeff Norcott's a class comic. Totally. And there's there's a handful of people who do it, and they're sort of like, oh, there's a place for this show. And there's people who do it because they think normal audiences can't handle their stuff. And what is actually happening is they're terrible at comedy. I've got not an ounce of nuance in their set. And an audience goes, this is horrible and you're shit. Yeah, you, there's no cleverness in this. This isn't ironic stuff. You're not making a point. You're just saying horrible shit for the sake of horrible shit. And you know what? There is an audience for that. And this is the problem that happens with it. You know, some of the comedians that go on comedy fucking unleashed. And it happened to fucking Andrew Lawrence, right? Which was... You know, he went fucking right, and then he fucking leaned into it. And now, when he goes on stage, and Andrew Lawrence, I'll fucking admit this, he's an unbelievable writer. He was such a fucking good stand-up. He was unfollowable back when he was doing the comedy store and everything. He now fucking hates his career because he leaned into the right, and and then he got his own, you know, all his lefty fans left, all his centre ones left because he was a fucking prick. And now he goes on stage, and there are people laughing at his jokes 
not ironically. Yeah. They're not. They're just. They don't any, get it. They don't get it. They just because they don't understand the cleverness of it. They're just being like, this is the guy that pointed out that it was only black players that missed the fifth penalties for England. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the fucking guy. I can't wait to see him live in a room where there's no woke cans. I say it. Say it. <laughs> Fuck, I hope he says it. And then Andrew Lawrence is up there talking about it. It's Ken's having these fucking rants, and they're just going. Say it! <laughs> say the fucking word! I paid 20 quid to hear you say the word that I'd love to say. <laughs> there's uh, there's uh, two comedians in comedy unleashed whose names I won't mention because, again, if I were to say their names, I would triple their fucking fan base. Uh, because they're so shit and far beneath me. One of them, and this is, I don't know how you feel about this, and I think this is, I, I feel I'm not shitty for having this opinion. No, a little bit. I really struggle to respect any comedian that believes in a god. Right. Like, like I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't really make sense to be both. You, you, you can't be free thinking. You can't be Analytical enough to be good at comedy, and to and, and not and, work and, out the big line. And I go, hang on, I yeah. haven't looked at this yeah. book, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and pulled apart every problem with it. The one comics, one. our job, sorry, our job is, well, a very eclectic taste in comedy, and I think there's space for all types of it, from you know one-liners and quirkiness to what to but, fucking mind to sketch to everything. Totally, but like. We're not too far away from each other in the time. It's concept comedy, isn't it? Here's the thing. I'm going to talk about it. Punchline, punchline, punchline. Hey, I was right all along. Yeah. Right. And, and sometimes I'm going to make something that is definitely wrong sound correct. And that that's the trick. Well, I've said on other podcasts, I like to treat comedy like I'm a defense attorney, like uh -huh. a lawyer. Yeah. I don't care if my client did it. Can I get it off? <laughs> that's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether he did it. Yeah. Can I get this jury slash audience to yeah. go not guilty? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. We we all know that this thing kills it's, so many people. Yeah, yeah. But my joke is OJ Simpson, and, <laughs> and I want him to walk free. Alfie Brown calls it making bad points. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> Um, One of these fucking comedians isn't just isn't just a Christian, like a real god bothery Christian. This motherfucker is a stamp licker, and by that I mean he worships, uh, he licks the Queen's arse. Okay. Uh, wow. And and still at this point, still bad Bojo. What? Yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, you know, you'll know who he is. I'll tell you his name fucking afterwards. But like his whole, you know when. You know when teenagers and and in and young adults sometimes they, they they've not discovered who they are. They're sort of in the world and and they're on social media and they're learning about all the opinions and and theories that are in the world and and but they want to be rebellious. But their 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 form of rebellion is to just go against the grain. Like they'll just be like you go. They'll say things you go. You don't believe that opinion. You just have that opinion because you saw the masses have that opinion, yeah, yeah. and you've decided to be a fucking edgelord. It's the fucking epitome of this. It's just like literally something would happen. Like you could literally have 
you know, somebody walk into a school in the UK, right, and just get the keys to a fucking steamroller and just go around the fucking nursery. It's just pancaking all these kids. And I fuck it. At something where every single person in the UK would be like, what a terrible crime. And this guy would be like, you know what? It's, it's, it could be what We don't know what those kids could have grown up to be. You know? Who knows how many monsters were in there? People what? always say they would go back in time and kill Hitler. Maybe that's what this guy was doing. Maybe he just thought this was the one school where all the... And you're like, I, I find it so exhausting to passionately... Just, just to try... What's the word I'm looking for? When you just count something for the... Contrarian. Contrarian, thank you, yes. Constantly and deliberately contrarian. Yes. Which, like, on our podcast Have A Word, that is what I do with obvious insanity. Tongue, in the, tongue yeah. firmly in the fucking cheek, twinkle in we, the we eye. We would get a, a, a letter written in from someone going, oh, you know, me, me girlfriend's doing this, and or, like, me boyfriend's doing this. Like, he's being an asshole, can you please have a word with him? Whatever. And Dan would be like, yeah, we need to solve this person's problem. And I'd be like, hey, she sounds like a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and every week Dan's like, Adam, can you take one of these seriously? I'm like, I am taking it seriously. She's the problem. <laughs> uh, this comic had he's he's taken it down so i'm fine with telling this uh, story because people will be able to work out who it is um and i don't mind people discovering because if you discover him again you'll just find out that he is pathetically shit at comedy and there's even uh, again we've, there are right-wing comedians i find funny jeff norcott is really fucking yeah. good there are people who i disagree with politically uh, who are still very very funny he does not fall into this category i i he's got a video yeah. Of a um, comedian destroys heckler. <laughs> and I swear to fucking God, Adam, this is the entire fucking video. He's doing a joke at one of the easiest clubs to get laughs at in London, right? And he's getting laughs, fair enough. It's not huge, yeah. but in his head, he's ripping it because he's delusional. Even though he's here, just getting the same reaction as everyone else. Some drunken woman just sort of says something and he sort of goes, What? And uh, again, again, comedian destroys heckler. This is a spin over it. And, and she said something again, and he went, Shut up, Karen! And dropped the mic. That is the entire video. That is the entire video. He had it, it was his pinned fucking tweet. Sorry, just some technical difficulties there. <laughs> <laughs> just some facts. Yeah, yeah. Just, just some facts getting in the way of a good podcast. Uh, but it's just, it's, man, I find this so much as that, you know. I love this industry. You know, I, I think it's deeply flawed, and I yeah. think there are a thousand ways to improve it, and I don't think it improves at the rate that it needs to, but I do see consistent progress. Yeah, in it. I agree with you. Uh, especially in the past uh, couple of years, I think it's becoming better. But there's still just, when society moves on, there's just, it's like, it's just, it's like pensioners that won't die. Right. You know, pensioners that just fucking sit there and just don't upgrade their thoughts, don't change their view of the world, and they just sit there and they still fucking vote. Comedy has that, because for some reason, there are comedians that have just been going for long enough that they're just entitled to get. Because, you know, oh, you've been doing it for 20 years, and you're like, yeah, but they've been shit yeah. for 20 fucking years. These are the comedians that, like, you know, they used to do jonglers, right? And they used to do the same fucking 20 minute set around the country because there were 70 jonglers comedy clubs. So they could just tour, 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 not touring, but do the clubs all the weekend, same material for five fucking years. 
And these are the same cunts that when you, me, Chris Ramsey, Ian Sterling, Joel Dom, any of the fucking other young comics started, they were complaining about us because we would turn over material. Yeah. Like to, to a degree that they just never oh, understood. You don't, you don't know what it was like. We used to do Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday and Sunday. And now that doesn't happen. It's like, yeah, because they went and seen you three times. <laughs> <laughs> and every time they came back, it was and the same fucking a different same. cadence. Yeah. <laughs> never mind a new bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like these cunts would walk on stage, pull a string on their back, say <laughs> and say the jokes again, and then would just be shocked when everyone else fucking surpassed them. Yeah. It's madness, it's like slowing down. It's like walking for an entire marathon and just being upset that some cunt dressed as Tinky Winky runs past you. <laughs> <laughs> like, Do you know what, like for me, I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of that sort of bitterness and jealousy and th this is where comedy has changed and is changing and, and this is for the, the greater good, I think. I think comedy is becoming a much more creator-led industry now. You can make your own stuff. Yes, um, it's, 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 it's never been a meritocracy because of the curb exists. Yeah, so there's always been a sort of, well, we've signed this guy, so he's obviously going to do... All of our television show. shows and because we run all the comedy shows on BBC and yeah. stuff, we're going to put our people on. Totally, but now, like, there is more value in doing, you know, a, a, going on off menu mm -hmm. or a, a, going on have a word. Yeah, you do more for your sales and career and fan base wise than doing QI. Yeah, Just because more people watch it. Yes, because telly is not what it and it also people are less bothered about getting certain stuff some people still want it and I there's, there's a couple of shows on TV that I would love to do don't get me wrong I'm very much I have I'm going to assume I'm going to speak for both of us here when I say Taskmaster yeah 100%. so Taskmaster is is now the only TV star maker yeah. if you do Taskmaster you could tour off the back of that alone and you'll do okay yeah as in addition to any fan base you've already got. The, the Michael McIntosh Roadshow used to be the career maker. That yeah. was what launched Kevin Bridges, Sarah Milliken, John Bishop, Mickey Flanagan. And there was like different there was different levels of success. Like those were the ones that got the overnight career. Like Kevin Bridges sold out his entire fucking French run and had to put on a thousand extra shows. Sarah Milliken became Sarah Milliken, John Bishop, Mickey Flanagan, we all know. And then there was like a step down. There was like the second one where you got success. You got bet, but it wasn't the overnight success. And then there were the people that, if I was to say to you, they were a Michael McIntosh roadshow, you go, Really? <laughs> That's mad. <laughs> They're a bin man now. <laughs> um, there, yeah, I, I, there's so much less career makers like that. But I think that's better. Like, I oh, think it's, it's so much better. And what it's done is co comics are a lot less jealous of each other mm -hmm. and they're helping each other more. And getting on each other's podcast and doing stuff is... Well, I think you guys are a fucking massive influence on that part because, you know, I mean, it's been, for us, you've been, and I know you've done it with other podcasts, you've got no problems sharing your knowledge, sharing your experience and being like, fuck it, let's all do this. This is great. You it's... it's the, I always look at New York and LA. LA less so now because everyone's fucking left. Aye. But as like, the UK is normally five to ten years behind it in terms of comedy-wise. Yeah. And I just looked at what they were doing over there and I was like, we, we can be the, the first to do it here. And pulling the ladder up rather than just helping people up the ladder is such an old way of doing stuff. And it's an old way of thinking. Like for us, if if we give a, another podcast a bit of a boost when they start and it becomes this massive podcast and they've now got their own fan base and they find it away from, you know, the initial, mm. oh, 20% have a word now listen to this as well. 
They're building a fan base that means when I've got a special to plug or a tour to plug, I can go on their thing yeah. that they've now built into. And it benefits everyone. Yes. For all of our friends to have successful shows yes. that you can then go, hey, I've got something to, can I come and do it? Us being in control of it is much better than some twat who went to Oxbridge going, hmm, yeah, it, no, it was really funny for an hour, but, you know... It just, it, I just don't think, yeah, can't say I've never stepped foot in a fucking comedy club and I always, uh, coming up and telling you, been like, oh, this is what I think your audience would enjoy. You don't know what my audience would enjoy. Like, BBC really fucking leans on the fact that, you know, they had some brilliant comedy shows over the year. But they've got such a short-term memory with all the fucking dribble they made when they took talented comedians and were like, right, we're gonna tell you, we're gonna give, we're gonna give you the vehicle we think it should be. Like, I mean, from my own fucking exa example, the Adventures of Daniel, which was the pilot for my BBC Three sitcom when I was 18 years old. The initial idea was, have you read the book I Killed? No. Oh, I'll lend you it. It is. It's, it's, it, I think every comic should read it. Um, the forwards by Jerry Seinfeld fell. Two road comics in America who've been going for 25 years just got all the other comedians to send in their road stories. They're most mad. So Chris Rock's in it, Dave Chappelle's in it, Mike Myers. It's like, it's, a, right up my street. Oh, it's such an unbelievably good book. I was like, oh, I'd like to do a show where I'm a new comedian and uh, every episode I, I, outside of it, we ask a comedian to tell one of their stories. And then in the show, the story happens to me, the young comedian. But whoever the villain in their story is, is played by the person who told us the story. Right? I fucking loved that idea. I pitched to people they loved it. And the BBC was like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. We think that's what an unbelievably good idea. <laughs> or. <laughs> <laughs> or. Because we love it. Hope we got a vampire in it. Adam, I'm going to safely assume, like most people, you haven't seen The Adventures of Daniel. Um, the whole show is uh, I'm, a, I'm a comedian and I'm, 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 I, have a, I have a girlfriend and her parents, oh, Adam, don't they hate me? <laughs> they, they are, they're not chuffed about old sloss little boy. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, her older sister has a boyfriend who they love and I am irked by that. Uh, but you know what, my, my girlfriend, she, she loves me and then one day she's, I'm doing a gig and she decides tonight's the night and we're gonna, we're gonna have the sex. And I'm very excited because I'm clearly an ugly little virgin because that's funny. Uh, because, you know, they saw the success of the in-betweeners and as the BBC famously does, they went, ooh, copy-paste. <laughs> <laughs> and the end of the episode is me getting my hand stuck in a, con a condom machine. You're not laughing. <laughs> I just think... Walk me through it again. I need the condoms for the sex. No! No, I get it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you can't get it out. No. But when I tell, when I tell you, oh, the fire brigade have to come. When the fire brigade walked me past my girlfriend's family, do do you think they like me now? Huh? Am I the new favourite? Did that make everything worse? That relationship. Oh. Well, I don't know. We didn't get an episode two. I stuck uh, his mic's, one of the mics here's going right on, it was dun, 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 dun. I'm still on, it just went red, sorry. Um, I, my agent has a copy of The Adventures of Daniel and she sent it to me, she's like, do you think you're ready to watch this again? And I was like, you know what, maybe, because you know, 12 years has passed. 
Um, I'm a different person now. I'm successful. Yeah. And I've got the career that, you know, not even the career that I always wanted, a career that I never dreamed of. It's outside the love of my life. The person who loves me unconditionally knows my soul and still loves me. She lasted four minutes. <laughs> four minutes into that sitcom where she went, I just can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, it's so cringeworthy and embarrassing and awful. And it wasn't my fault, it wasn't the fucking director's fault, it wasn't the fucking writers. The ta writers of the show were very talented. But the BBC just comes in and they go, this is what you need to do to make a good TV show, as opposed to just creating content. And that's why I'm so fucking... When BBC Three died, I laughed my fucking ass off. Because I'm like, that's what you get for not trusting talent. Like, you are producers. Your job is to find people you think funny and then give them the chance to create what they want. That's why you end up with brilliant shows like I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. Like, uh, shows where people just go, this is what I find funny. And people need to go, right, we don't know what's funny. We, we, we know what's funny because we laugh at it, but we don't know how to do it. We're just going to trust you to do that. And there's so little of it now. But now because people are creating their own things. So the, the next step for me, for Have A Word, is exactly that. Is for So we're already creating stuff that... So ev for anyone who doesn't know about it, so we do a public episode every week that has a guest on. We do an extra episode every single week that's just me and Dan for Patreon only. And then every month, on top of that, they also get a Patreon special, mm -hmm. which is, it, it, we, we make it up as month to month, what are we going to do on this one? So we did a live show, which was the roast of Adam and Dan, yeah. an American-style roast, me and Dan sat on the couch, Alfie Brown, Ishan Akbar, Brennan Reese, Finn Taylor, Freddie Quinn, and Rob Mulholland hosting it. And just, you could never have put those roast jokes on TV. Like, yeah. the worst thing, the worst things anyone has ever said, we cut two things out because they were too bad, and that's for our listeners going on our Patreon which is pretty fucking wild. Okay, well, please, after this, tell me. <laughs> Just two things, like, I don't think that was fair. Um, but some of the stuff that got, like, just, oh, Mark Nelson was on as well. Oh, great. Mark Nelson's joke to Rob Mulholland was, uh, Rob Mulholland is a big, uh, so, this is not as brutal, just so great. He said, uh, Rob Mulholland's a big fan of Leeds, because it's the only way he can get his girlfriend to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan Reese went on in a blue varsity jacket and a red cap and said, I got told it was fancy dress. I've come as Adam's mum and Ash from Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a belt. <laughs> it was insane. So we did that. Uh, two months after I became single, we did Blind Date. Dan uh, was dressed as Silla Black. We were really? saying up the entire time he had Silla Blacked up. Um, <laughs> we have me, a wall, and three women on the other side, and we did that, and that went out on Patreon. And we're trying to do more on-location stuff and sort of concepts that I think long-term TV companies or streaming services might go, oh, they know exactly what they're doing, and we should just give them a budget. and let. Mm. So one thing we're going to do, uh, we haven't even mentioned this to our listeners yet, so... Uh, they, they, uh, I mean, it's fine. So, there's a restaurant in Liverpool called Lubang. We know the guy who's the head chef and the owner of the place. We are taking it off him on a Tuesday night and we're going to staff it full of comedians. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Just the wait staff? No. No, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no. Every single member of staff working that night will be a former have a work guest. <laughs> so. Okay, so as in some of them are going to be cooking the meals? Yeah. And is the, is, so is the, is the restaurant just for the patrons? You're not letting the So we, we are going to sell tickets, which will, you know, they'll be 
and you'll get a set menu. Yeah. So it'll be a, a starter, main, and dessert. Yeah. Me and Carl are going to be the bartenders because yeah. we go back a week and we're good with cocktails and stuff. So me and Carl are going to run the bar. We're going to put make down the maitre d' oh, yeah. um, and cook. Cool. Well, then you are not going to be the chef. <laughs> <laughs> I just I wanted to I want people to come and enjoy the food and have a nice time, but I just want a bit of chaos as well. And we're yeah. going to make that film and put it on Patreon. But I think concepts like that are what will take half away from uh, a, a podcast that is creating some stuff to a fully fledged production company where people are like, oh, they know exactly. And it was all Carl's idea. It was yeah. my best friend and our producer, and he's just. Because he's, he's gone from not knowing how to edit anything to becoming one of the best comedy producers yeah, in the entire country yeah. within two years. Because yeah. he trusts and he knows, and he, and he actually, unlike so many producers, not just from the BBC, but all these fucking high up execs that don't go to comedy clubs, he actually well, he loves He ran comedy. Baby Blue and he ran Hot Water. He ran Baby Blue? Yeah. Oh, fuck, I must have. He he done a decade working in comedy clubs, and he went to Japan for a year with his missus to teach English as a foreign language. And while he's out there, he's ringing me, and he's like, "When I come back, you know, I want to work in comedy, but I can't work in bars anymore. So what am I going to do?" And the time was perfect. As he arrived back in the UK, we, me and Dan, were just like, "We don't like editing this stuff that we make." So we were like, "Look, we'll give you ten pound an hour and just figure it out." And then he got so good at it, and he's on mic as well. We're like, we're just going to have to give you a cut of the complaint. Right. It needs to be in your interest for this to grow into the juggernaut it is, yes. it is on its way to being. Um, I think it's fair to say it's already a fucking juggernaut. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm very conscious with Have A Word that for a decade, as what I consider myself to be an underdog, I've been very loud. I've been like, I'm great, come see me. Yeah. Push, 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 plug, plug, plug. Promote, promote, promote. Which, like, which, which, I mean, I, I definitely know for a fact that annoyed other comedians, but, but it's, the reason it fucking annoyed them is because so many comedians never had the fucking courage to do it themselves. To totally. And now those comedians come and ask for advice. But because Have A Word is so insanely big and has become what it is, I'm just conscious of not doing that with that. Because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's like, yeah. Because for a while, when I was doing it about myself, I was an underdog working class scouse comic with no agent and all that sort of stuff. So as much as it will piss the odd comic off, he's like this guy talking about himself all the time online and posting yeah. fire emojis and whatever, it, it served a purpose to sort of create a perception that I was doing better than I even was. With Have A Word, it's like, if you do it on top of how fucking insane it is, then you just look like a complete cunt. Nah, <laughs> nah. I also think, man, man, I get fucking dead tempted to now, because I do have, and I shouldn't have it, I do have a little bit of bitterness uh, in this industry, just with particularly how, you know, I'm famous everywhere in the world, apart from England. <laughs> like, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's not England's fault. And it's not my fault. It's in my head the most comedy scenes in the team. Yeah, but you, I remember talking to you about uh, a sort of tangents that a while back. It was almost deliberate, wasn't it? You you very much focused on live tour and and, and doing stuff in the yeah. states rather than trying to do live at the Apollo or trying to do mock the week. Well, no, 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 fucking live the, live at the Apollo and mock the week were offered me when I was eighteen and nineteen years old, and they said no. And then when uh, after I'd done Conan, they were like, "Oh, we'll have you on now." And you're like, "Fuck off." Help at the start or never come back. Like yeah. you don't, you you don't get to, you don't get to jump in on the success that I worked for and that you, you know, not only didn't help with, but you gave it, you gave work to 
comedians who did not work as hard as me and my friends and you gave it to them because you run the fucking production company, yeah, yeah. you know, yourself. And it's all but I kind of know what fucking should be. Like the Apollo was the, the the show I cared the most about doing. Aye. Because So did I for my five fucking broke my heart not to be on it. Like yeah. it was, you know, to to grow up watching it and then to know It was the, it was that. It was the nostalgia of it and I my, my relationship with comedy is very much tied to the relationship I had with my mum before she uh, became Ash from Pokemon. Um, <laughs> we, we, when, when it hit and my dad broke up, I would go to bed with my little brother and as soon as he got to sleep, I would come back out and watch TV with my mum and it was always just comedy. Um, and Live the Apollo was a big part of that. So I, I just wanted to be part of that show's history. It was mm -hmm. not, like it used to be, if you did Live the Apollo, you could tour. It was a career maker. Yeah. And then the reason it wasn't a career maker is because they started putting on their own undercooked fucking acts and they lowered the standard of the show. <laughs> Fact! Fact! Um, yeah, I, there's, there's not many shows I give a shit about. Taskmaster, you were right. Uh, would I lie to you? Because I think I'd be very good at it. Yeah. Also, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, like, I like how Would I Lie to You. That's a fun yeah. one. I also, man, I think I love a lovely Mac. Yeah. I think. Oh, and Mitchell. Like, they're yeah. such a perfect pair. And, and Rob Brydon um, is sincerely one of the nicest men in this industry. Yeah, and you can tell it just radiates. Oh, I did one, I did the Rob Brydon show when I was about 18 or 19 years old. And he, my mum was down with me, and he was so uh, nice to me, so you know, generous with his time and afterwards with compliments and and everything. Just you know, he saw a young comic and he you know boosted him up. And then I was in a charity gig with him. It must have been two years later, and I fucking swear to God, he remembered my mum's names, my dad's names. He remembered their parents' names because he had a brief conversation with them. He approached them. Like, like they were just with me, and he went, Leslie Martin, I'm like, this fucking guy. <laughs> like, you know, I, I look like a fucking belly. <laughs> yeah, you can tell he's really sound. And, like, that's so much more important than being a brilliant comic when you're talking to people. Like, you remember that specifically because of how nice he was, not how funny he was on the record. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was funny. I, my mum's story from that is, I was on with Stephen Fry, and I went on, and I was nervous as fuck, because it was very early on, and during one of my jokes, I said fuck, and because it was prime time, you couldn't swear. So they literally, while I was doing the set, they were like, they waited till the end of the joke, they weren't dicks, but they were like, we're, we're gonna have to ask you to do that one again. I, which is, I mean, I'm in front of the audience going, oh fuck. You know, okay, oh, okay so I have to, and my mum's backstage and she's just, she seizes up, and Stephen Fry uh, leans over, puts a hand on her knee, and just went, don't worry. I'm gonna go on and say cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a pickup at the Apollo. Oh yeah. So my the uh, the I wrote a routine. So the routine I mentioned before about going to the doctors is essentially me cutting off GPs receptionists. Yeah. Right. And I wrote that for the Apollo. So I got told in July, you've got it, you're doing it. And I was like, right, I've got me Victoria's Secret routine that the year before would have been that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I was like, I'll do that as a backup, but I'm I'm just gonna write a new and they didn't end up using it they used the Victoria's Secret routine because the doctor's receptionist routine and the going to the doctors was too long and he was like it's 18 minutes long if I cut it down to 7 I can't get the context in that makes yeah, yeah. so he was like he was like even for the 12 minute Aaron it's hard to get enough of it in so we're going to use the other thing but on the night so I <laughs> I do a really sort of bastardised impression and make her sound like an arsehole of the woman who answers the phones at my GP's mm -hmm. surgery. And uh, I was like, hello, my name's Janice, I'm from Hornsleep Medical Centre. And I come off stage, I've had a really good set, I'm like, I need the execs there. And he goes, 
is Janice real? And I went, yeah. And he goes, and is Hornspit Medical Centre your medical centre? I went, yeah. He went, you need to go back on and just say hello. I, I, I always said, it, it, Janice is real, but it's not her name. Yeah. But Hornspit Medical Centre is a medical centre. He goes, you need to go back on and just do like four or five Hello, my name's Janice. I'm from the medical centre. Yeah. So I had to go back on. To the audience? To the audience. Oh, my God. And literally go. So the, the compa was Jen Brister, and she went, uh, Apparently, someone's got to do a pickup. We're just going to find out. Oh, it's Adam. And I went back on. I went, Look, apparently, I can't name the medical centre on the BBC for legal reasons. <laughs> so I'm going to have to just do And I did about 40 lines of, Hello, I'm Janice. And it just got more and more funny every time I did it again. <laughs> And so they had to want the years and shush you by the end. And then it, it, it didn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't go in at all. Like, none of it went in. Fucking uh, bastard, yeah, man. I was on stage for another five to ten minutes just going... <laughs> <laughs> As people are, like, leaving, getting their coats and stuff. Uh, tell us about your special. Uh, yeah, so at the minute, um, I'm in a, such a weird sort of uh, month as a career-wise as a comic. Because my agent, a week ago, decided he's not going to be an agent anymore and he's going to take a job at uh, Global Radio. So having that happen, which is fine, he's going to double his salary and yeah. good for him, whatever. Having that happen when you've spent 30 grand taking a special and you're trying to pitch it to a certain company yeah. is an odd situation to be in. Yeah. So we don't quite know what platform it's going to be on. It, the special is a filming of the tour that I just done. We taped it, uh, the film on a call in Liverpool. Great um, fucking room. It's so good. And we did it twice. So we did the month before I'd done it and I sort of had that. The second show was just all the pickups from the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did pickups. So I, I got called to sit there and just literally write everything I slid. Yeah. So at the end, I just did them again to give it a clean... Um, it looks, I haven't watched the edit yet, but like the visuals of it was incredible. The audience, it was the best night of the tour, which, you know, for of that to happen. Is. Yeah, the homecoming gig for you, of course it is. Yeah, but it was even so much better than the month before when we didn't tape it. It was just so, so good. Um, such a good night. It's going to be called Imperious, if you follow me on social media. I think Instagram's Adam Road Comedian, Twitter's Adam Road Comedy, for whatever reason. Um it will be pushed everywhere when, when we... I should know within a week sort of where it's going to go. Sweet. Um, it will either be on a streaming service or it will be on YouTube, and I'm quite comfortable. But when, when I say a streaming service, we're trying to sell it to Netflix. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't take it, it will go on YouTube. Yeah. Because we've had an offer from other streaming services, but I want people to see it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to just make the money. I'd rather take the loss on what we've spent on it and use it to promote the next tour. And Man, the, the, I mean, the proof out there is in fucking Mark Normand and Sam Morrill. And I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, Bo Burnham originally did it with uh, fucking What. Yeah. Uh, it was on YouTube. That man, that is the way to do it. Like I'm, you know, for you, I've had arguments with my management stuff about how I want to release my stuff on YouTube because then once you've got a fucking fan base and once the show's done they just want to see it and they yeah. want to see it and what they'll do is they'll spread it to their friends and, and the more people that come see it it's you know it's all about selling the next tour yeah. and, and the bigger you come and then hopefully the fucking next special because places like you know Netflix and I know how much Netflix can you know change your life overnight uh, the reason they didn't want 
well, no, they didn't want any extra specials from me, but it was just like, you had a special uh, two years ago, so we're, we're not going to give you a new one, so just sit on that special. I'm like, I'm not an American comedian. I'm a British comedian, which means I write a new show every year or every two years. I'm not holding any of these back. I'm going to say that now I'm fucking sitting on three, but I'll be, <laughs> I'll be releasing them at some point this year as well. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it to go out. The only special I put out before was essentially two club sets. Mm -hmm. I, I, so there's a special already on YouTube called Adam Road Club Comic, and it was the early show and the late show at the Comedy Store in London, mm -hmm. and I just did a totally different set at both and put that out as a... High class. A, 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 I think there's about 35 minutes to stand up on it, so this, this new one will be the first full hour. Visually, it looks unbelievable. Uh, I can't wait to see the edits of it. And if it goes on YouTube, which I'm expecting it to yeah it will be the best looking special on youtube yes oh, do you yeah. know what i mean like it, it, it's in a massive room in a big theater full production sony venice cameras which they use to film top gun maverick oh. <laughs> like we we went fucking balls to the wall with it yeah. and it was like let's just make regardless of where it's going to go the most incredible product we can well, well done, man. that's the fucking way to do it yeah and will who filmed it who is our in-house videographer i have a word he just he'd never been given such a big job and he fucking, he raised his game so high for right. a proper good team around us. Uh, I'm really excited for it to go out. And I think it is the best hour I've done so far, but that naturally happens when you're a comic. You, you tend to get better at it, don't you? You do, <laughs> I, and I go, yeah, yeah. And you hope you have the wherewithal to know that when you do a fucking shite show that you go, oh, maybe that actually wasn't my best work. Yeah. And then if the show after that is worse than that, it's time to fucking <laughs> become a TV presenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a podcaster now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, man. It's always very, a very fun. Thanks for the pint. I was a young bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, nice one. Cheers.